What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, and listen what you think about the episode. If there's any particular questions or topics you'd like to have covered, we're always checking your comments on there and love to be able to take your guys' feedback and then work them into future episodes. Today I'm going to be joined by Adam Blattenberg from Cho Engineering, and I wanted to chat with him about a sort of unrelated topic to uh, truck upgrades and things like that, but something that's huge which is the potential auto worker strike that's going to affect the big three. So um, we'd researched the subject, wanted to get his thoughts on it and how see how it all may play out, may affect not just buying a new truck, but how, what it may do to the aftermarket and the supply chain. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off-site wide code for you. If you use code 23DIESEL20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com. It's a great way to save 20% off your order. Get some really cool gear if you need something for EDC, hunting, fishing, around the job site, around the house. They've definitely got you covered. They've had a huge year in 2023 with new product releases. One of the newest models are the Duralox, which the blade's made out of D2 steel. The way that the blade opens and closes is super smooth, really positive feel to it. And there's different choices for blade shape and then also handle design as well. So if you're in the market, definitely make sure, head on over, check them out, and use code 23Diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Adam Blattenberg and chatting about the looming auto worker strike and how it may affect the big three. Adam from Choate Engineering, look forward to chatting with you today. I've always enjoyed our conversations over the years, and there's a lot of ways that I've leaned on you in the past because you've been in this longer than I have. You've been in different parts of automotive and diesel, and there was a topic that we saw pop up recently, and I thought, this would be a great conversation Adam and I could have talking about something maybe a little bit different than performance parts and things like that, but ultimately it's the same thing because we're going to be talking trucks. So look forward to chatting with you today. Good talking with you as well. I enjoy it as well. We got what, eight years, eight years doing these things off and on. So yeah, it's, it's always fun. Um, yeah, no, I agree. You asked me, uh, what Friday afternoon going into the weekend. I'm like, Oh man, I know this is important, but, I don't know how much of an expert I am. It's almost like we're on the outside looking in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've both been in the industry a long time. So I guess even though we're not, um, or I'm not a, a dealership guy anymore, I worked at it one time. I'm definitely never, never was UAW or involved in that. But um, I think we know enough to to speak. Uh, uh, what's, the, what's the phrase there that they use uh, to be somewhat experts in this? <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. Well, I think, I think what's cool about it, though, is at heart of what our passion is, it's about diesel trucks. So we're just like anyone that's going to be listening, anyone paying attention um, or had seen it. But for those that didn't, um, what I saw was there's a potential strike with um, the UAW and the big three that could be coming up. And I know you've got a lot more specifics than I did, but um, just reading some articles, some things that popped up really had me concerned as far as the big three diesel trucks, and then also the supply chain. So I wanted to ask you, as far as when you step back and you did some research and looked at this situation, what sort of facts or positions did you see? What, like what alarm bells went off in your mind when you started to see some of the specifics from both sides? So the the UAW got a new president, uh, Sean, sorry, I'm going to look at my notes here, um, Sean Fain in March of 23. Um, 
looking at both sides of it, you know, some people like him a lot. Some people think he's pushing too hard. Um, yeah, those those are the views people have had. So pretty much middle of the road. But what they're asking for is a 40, depends on where you look, a 40 to 45% increase in pay. UAW says 40 um, Ford and Stellantis, some of the, the reports they've said say 45. So my assumption is that 5% difference is like in benefits and things like that. Um, so they're asking for a 40 to 45% increase. They're asking for cost of living allowances. So if they live in an area that's, you know, if the, if the plant is in an area that has higher cost of living than the rest of the country than the average, um, they want to be paid that difference um they want let's see uh pensions brought back so pensions were taken away around you know the crash what oh seven oh eight oh nine that era i don't remember the exact year i want to say they said oh nine but pensions were taken away then this is interesting um from everything i've read apparently the pensions were one of the biggest reasons for why gm and stellantis had to uh you know file bankruptcy had to take those those payouts, those buyouts, handouts, whatever we're calling. So on that note, Ford straight up declined, said, no, we're not bringing that back, which I thought was interesting. Um, but they want they want to help retirees with uh, medical benefits and increased pay. So, you know, UAW is saying that these guys gave their bodies, you know, their, their lives to these companies. And when they retired, they're not being taken care of. You get that? um they want to they want to have the right to strike over plant closures so a big part that i've seen on this is um electric vehicles becoming you know the new big thing for them yep. so uh, the electric part costs the manufacturers uh significantly less labor um to create and some of that labor from what i understand is outsourced uh, could be U.S. companies, could be overseas. I, I didn't see that there, but either way, it's non-UAW union workers doing it. So there's a very high possibility that a lot of workers are going to be laid off once electrical comes around and they close plants because of that. The UAW wants to be able to strike over those plants. And my understanding there is that Yes, that plant would close. It would close a lot, you know, lose a lot of jobs. But they want to be able to strike as a whole to stop those plants from closing. Is kind of what I understand. Um, they want family protection, which is life insurance. That's self-explanatory. Uh, they want to make all temporary workers permanent. So apparently, temporary workers still, I guess apply as uaw even though they're not necessarily uaw members again not fully understanding that um but what it ends up doing is costing the manufacturers a ton of money by making temporary workers that come in just just for short runs even though they're saying these are not short runs that a lot of them have been there a year or more um it, it's just it's going to cost them a lot more if they did that um they want more pto and the big one here, they want a 32-hour work week for 40 hours worth of pay. Um, so it's a lot. I mean, they're asking for a lot. I don't necessarily think that they don't deserve a good amount of it. but And I don't have enough knowledge to, to say that for sure either way. 
but it's a lot either way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the EV thing I thought was kind of interesting um, that that's been outsourced and internal combustion workers, you know, that are currently at the plant, those are going to be the first ones that go. Um, so they're trying to make sure that those workers have some sort of job security. Um, yeah, it's 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 been interesting to research it because you, you've got to like look at the different sources, and, and a lot of the sources are citing completely one way, and it was hard for me to find the opposite argument. Um, you know, a lot of these sources that I found were behind UAW. I really wanted to see what Ford and Stellantis and GM were saying, but there just wasn't that much info that I could find from their view on it. Um, which is another thing that the that Sean Fain, the, the president, has been talking about is, and that's why, okay. So they filed an unfair labor claim. Did you see this? No. Um, it's so by filing an un, unfair labor claim, it sounds like, oh, you're pointing and you're saying you guys were wrong and you need to be right. No, from what I understand, what that really means is it stops. Once that claim is going on, it sets a legal precedent somewhere or legal precedence was set somewhere that stops them from being able to replace workers if they go on strike. Oh, okay. Now, if, if, because now the workers are going on strike because they're being treated unfairly, if they went on strike purely saying we want more money, then for GM Stellantis can hire people to replace them, but they can't if it's unfair labor. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. It was like one of those sly, you know, you really read the fine print and you made the move on the fine print, not, you know, not what the lawsuit really says. Um, it's, it's such a complex issue. And I'm really curious if anybody's watching this on YouTube and they're familiar with the situation, they have an opinion, like definitely comment down below. Let us know what you think, um, what your opinions are either way. I found much the same when I was doing research and reading articles as I could tell there was, I don't want to say a bias, but I'm just going to use that word, a bias one way. And I couldn't get the other side of the argument. And it was really tough to do. And I think the reason I never really paid attention to these in the past, I think GM had one in 2019. I don't know how many billions of dollars it cost them. And I know they've happened over the years. And I don't know why I just didn't really pay attention or, or jump into it. But right now, I think it was EVs. I mean, that was something that really wasn't big back in 2019 and that's a major thing that's happening for a lot of different reasons so i can understand that particular aspect of it um like you talked about with less labor less involvement building it and all these incentives are happening and all these new models are coming out in this transition there's that angle there's also something i read uh, in an article that was talking about the supply chain being affected and maybe not the tier you know tier one type of suppliers, but some of the smaller places, specialty, I don't know enough, but I imagine there's some crossover with the aftermarket and some of those smaller suppliers and just all the episodes and conversations I've had over the last three years about supply chain and, you know, companies competing with aerospace and, you know, construction companies to get the same material. It's like, okay, if this really does happen, it could kickstart a lot of these delays and issues that companies face the last three years. Well, a lot of the um, the pistons, the bearings, the rings, you know, um, just just being on that side of the industry, working for a remanufacturer, um, a lot of those companies, Mall being one of them, 
you know, they have contracts with the big three. And so, yeah, it's guaranteed it's going to affect our supply on those. Um, I, I kind of wonder how that would be in the beginning, though. Would, if they halt production, would it be easier for us to get a hold of pistons? Like right now, six, seven power stroke parts, very hard to find. I mean, we've got a whole stockpile just because we saw it coming and that's our bread and butter. But, you know, that's they're very hard to find right now. So would that mean that now there's a surplus and we can get a hold of them? Uh, I guess a lot of this goes on how long did this strike last? Yeah. Um, I think I had read, was it September 14th was the day they said, if the demands aren't met, then that's when they could strike. And I don't think they said we're going after one or two or all three. I think all three was improbable, but nobody really knows. Does it just affect four, just GM, Ford NGM, Stellantis? How does it all work? There's so many unknowns with it but i have heard through conversations with manufacturers in the past they noticed that suppliers were more willing to work with them over the last couple years than they were in years past um, to get some material so yeah i do wonder if maybe there is an increased supply if there's a shutdown for a certain amount of time is it easier to get parts for remanufacturing or, or building diesel aftermarket parts yeah, do those do they change their focus to more on the aftermarket parts? But you would think they would. You know, if their if their main bread and butter of the, the OEMs goes away, they still got to keep that plant running. They still got to bring money in. So yeah, it might make it easier for a little while. Um, but yeah, but again, that's still how long. Yeah, you know, because at some point, like um, there was a note um, on the UAW's website that they had. 11 weeks worth of strike funds saved up um so the workers get they get i think it was a hundred dollars a day if i remember correctly it's not much but they get a hundred dollars a day while they're on strike and there was there was more money there for something else too healthcare or something else i couldn't remember what it was and so they essentially have 11 weeks of that saved up so if they do strike it's basically i think once we start seeing the 11 week here's a good point the OEMs have to know that. The big three have to know that. So, sorry, on the flip side of that, though, they're saying, I'm thinking of, of the length of what this would take or how long this is going to last before one side caves, because that's just what it's going to be. You know, one side is going to cave. Um, I think they said it was 10 million a day, or is that 100 million a day? I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh gosh, it was a massive number. But either way, the OEM is going to lose enough before that UAW um, surplus, you know, strike surplus or strike insurance, whatever you want to call it, runs out. That's really what it's going to be. But did you see the inventory? So I, I did. Yeah, that was surprising in some ways. So it's they have 57 days of inventory on average between the big three stored up. Uh, I was watching, I think this was a YouTube video of these guys talking about it. 57 days of inventory on average for the big three. That's almost twice what their record high inventory has ever been. Um, was it two point? I think they're, yeah, that's what it was. 1.2 million in 21 was the record up to that point in stock. 
Today, it's at 2.2 million vehicles. That kind of tells me they knew about this and they were planning for it, which they should have. They know when their contracts are going to go away. Of course, the OEMs are going to prepare for this. Um, so they're they're prepped for a while. Um, and the, the outside, the non-UAW manufacturers, Tesla, um, German manufacturers, Japanese, and even that have people here in the U.S., they didn't increase their inventory in that manner. That is interesting. It's a big highlighted section, a big <laughs> red thumb of, you know, but uh, that video said another thing that I thought was interesting. Um, so remember the chip shortage? Yeah. And the increase in price on vehicles that really didn't kind of go away. We thought it was going to go away and it really kind of yeah. didn't. No, it hasn't. <laughs> so that could be a positive side for the manufacturers too increase in pay they can reduce their inventory um and then speculation fully on my end they're saving labor too but just like you said the supply chain this still affects all of us negatively there yeah um, one of the representatives from the big three i don't remember which one it was but they had said if they met the demands that they would go bankrupt doing it that all three of them would i think i know he definitely said it about his particular company so it seems to be like you mentioned who's going to blink first with this is where's the compromise at how long does it go and then ultimately for the truck owner is is it going to delay either a truck you want one you ordered um what does it do to the aftermarket economically what does it do it's there's so many repercussions to it that it's so complex like it, it I think that's why it maybe it captivated me a bit more now than it did in, in, the, in the past was I've become much more aware of the supply chain, how companies are related and then how it ultimately affects the truck owner, what they buy, what they can get. And it was just like, Oh man, this is, I see why people are freaking out over this. Like why they're worried. Cause it's, you know, a week and a half till that deadline comes up. No, it's a, it's a global impact. It is, it's very much so going to have a global a global impact. Um, I think it's interesting. Like people look at some of the things that California is passing this whole electric vehicle thing. California goes to a full hybrid state. That's not just something that affects California. That affects the planet. Um, and this is this is not really any different. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's like the UPS strike. You know, a lot of people were, and I did not research the UPS strike, but um, a lot of the, uh, you know, professionals in the media were referencing that this is going to be essentially like that was, where it just trickles down, it affects everyone. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I think you mentioned California, and we recently did an episode about it with fleets and other things that are happening, and we're much more connected with business trucks supply than i used to think that we were so you have you know one state that does something well it's the most populous state in the united states and their economy is huge and it's really hard for an oem to say well we don't care about that we're going to make just one for you and 49 other for everybody else it's not how it's kind of gone so i'm curious to see how it how it shakes out and, and how to follow it and i think finding the information 
you know, as we talked about, it was one of the hardest things with media in general. That's what's so cool about podcasts that are out there and, you know, independent channels is you can get, I want to say unbiased, but I feel like I can get more information from an independent source than I can where I used to look. It's like I read the same thing on four different websites and I'm like, well, I want to know about the other side of the issue. How do I, how do I understand what these workers are facing? How do I understand the pressures that Ford or GM or Stellantis is under? They're trying to keep their business going. Do they need to give more? Um, you know, what, what is fair? What can work? Because we all have a vested interest in making sure that it does work, especially you know, being an automotive, being into it. You work in it. I work in it. Um, a lot of our you know, listeners do or are passionate about them. So it's a huge issue. I always try and spend as much time as I possibly can to see both sides. Um, because yeah, just like you said, every, even if you're trying not to be biased, your life is shaped by your social media algorithm or by the friends around you, your opinions are shaped that way. So even if you're trying not to be biased, you are biased in some way or another, it's, it's just, that's life. But yeah, I found the same thing. It was all, it was all one-sided. Um, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, big numbers and clickbait type stuff. It's like, no, I just want to, I want to see the raw facts. You know, <laughs> I didn't get time to pull their, uh, their stock, um, uh, stock reports, um, because I thought that would have been real interesting to see year over year. Um, but, uh, I did see something that they are up, you know, significantly up. I suppose what was the number 10, $21 billion in combined profits from the big three over the last six months. That just seems wild to me. That's a huge number. It might not be that crazy though. I mean, this is just, you know, this is, we work in a small niche industry. Not too many people are <laughs> pulling in, you know, 7 billion, not too many companies we know are pulling in $7 billion in six months in, in revenue, let alone profit. Um, so maybe that's just something I don't know, but that does seem crazy high. Um, and that's one of the numbers out there, you know, that the UAW is, is toting that we're supposed to be getting part of that, um, which I get, but so you were, we were saying earlier, Ford said, quote, we will not make a deal that endangers our ability to invest, grow and share profits with our employees. Um, which was basically what you were saying. Uh, we're not going to make a deal that that damages the company, and that's what you guys are asking. Um, but shoot high, and you know, you always ask for more because you know you're not going to get it. <laughs> well, it's a risk on both ends. If you think about that, hundred dollars a day or five hundred a week in 2023, does that do anything? It, probably not a whole lot. So there's going to be pressure on that side. And then if you think of these huge iconic brands and the worldwide influence that they have and how massive they are, it damages your whole entire structure. You're not producing vehicles and you're just stopped and you're idle and the skilled labor, the people that have worked there for a really long time that know the job in and out, there's risks on both sides. And that's where I think that's going to be real interesting to see is how it comes to a resolution and which side gives up what to meet in the middle, which they're going to have to do. I think, I don't know exactly where, but definitely 
finding a solution to it is going to be interesting to to follow. Training people to meet the new skill sets. You know, you've got existing employees that have been there 10 years or five years or whatever it may be. That is, you know, their skills are in, in building internal combustion engines. That's that's going to be a drastic change. If there's, you know, 10,000 of those people, it's going to drop down to 2,000. I'm making that number up. But um, if they offered training that way, um, which from what I've read, there really doesn't sound like they are. It sounds like they're just offsourcing it, um, outsourcing it, um, putting that. I mean, obviously, too. So, so it sounded to me like they were taking battery production and giving it to outside companies. Um, and they were heavily investing in those out, outside companies. By they, I mean the big three, which one of those big three, I don't know. I've got to use it as a blanket statement at this point. But if they're doing that, then yeah, you're going to lose a lot of employees in, involved with that. And I think that was a big thing that they were pushing on. Um, so if they found a way to train those people, but even still, if, if, if Ford, you know, if the big three don't want to do battery production themselves, which I completely get, that's not something they've ever done. They've always outsourced batteries. You know, why would, I don't know of any manufacturer that makes their own batteries. Um, I've had meetings years ago where I, you know, contracted for um, what is now Motor Trends, had meetings with some of the big ones, and they don't make their own stuff. It's all made by the same company that makes your Energizer batteries. Um, so I, I would understand why they wouldn't want to be involved in that. It's a drastically different deal, and that's why they're investing outside. But I, I don't know. That, that could be a tough part of the whole deal here. You know, um, 150,000 UAW members. And if a lot of those jobs are going to go to battery. Oh, you know what, though? Actually, now that I say that, that is something that, um, uh, is it Fane? Sean Fane, I think is his name. Um, yeah, Sean Fane, the UAW president, he, he did mention that and that he wanted to, and this would fix that problem, actually, that he wanted to unionize those battery plants. And make them part of UAW. Um, so that's not a hole. I was thinking that that's actually a fix right there. Um, if he could do that. But. What's so interesting, and I'm sure you'll echo this because you've been involved in this industry for a long time. You've been on the media side. You've been on, you know, the parts and, and the upgrades. And we think about. I don't like to use the term evolution <clears throat> because I'm not convinced in all applications or nearly all applications that EVs better. But I kind of think back to when like the Model T and you had horse-drawn carriages and then you had the first automobiles and it's this drastic change in how you get from point A to point B. And we have this internal combustion engine from way back then to now and then this transition that's taking place and I've talked about it on episodes and have gotten people's opinions and haven't jumped too far into it but there just seems to be this this thought process that there isn't the infrastructure for it um it may not be a long-term solution and i think as enthusiasts i've probably done this as well as i say okay well it's going to have its place but it's not going to take over there's always going to be a need for a diesel truck you're always going to need to have even half tons. Let's throw those in there. You're going to need internal combustion engine half tons. But while we're thinking that, 
there is a potentially major strike happening where a large group of people is saying, hey, this is going to change the entire way automobiles are made. And we need to do something about it now um, because it's going to affect our way of life, a ton of other things. So this whole conversation and debate is heating up in a different way. It seemed to be more, I love EVs. Um, you know, on one side, I, I feel I'm you know, doing the best I can for the environment. I don't have to use fuel. The other side is saying, we don't have the infrastructure to run this. It's going to be expensive. I need this, this, uh, you know, diesel truck or even gas truck. Um, and I'm opposed to it or I'm not really interested. Well, now it's crashing economically and with labor. And it's just, I don't know if anyone knows how to cover it because I think the last time it happened was horse-drawn carriages and the Model T and the passenger vehicle everybody could afford. Yeah. yeah if you were, if you were a buggy whip manufacturer, you know, you made the whips, <laughs> Yep. you know, your, your life drastically changed. But at the same time, if you're the, and then this is such a common analogy, um, if you're the last buggy whip manufacturer, you now get to sell them for whatever you want. But <laughs> the, the the change to diesel. So I have um, a few friends that that are fairly high up at in some of the big threes, and they have told me that because I I started saying, okay, yeah, we're going to electric. Electric isn't going to work. What if we go to diesel electric? You know, like ships use. You know, have a diesel generator essentially, or that that clutches in to help at when it needs to. Um, and then that's what that diesel generator supplies the power for the truck. Um, they said to me, and I'm saying they, because it's multiple guys and that different brands have essentially said the same thing. And when you look at Cummins, Cummins is kind of going this way too. Um, hydrogen. I said, it's, we're not going after diesel electric. That is super expensive. It's the most expensive drivetrain out there to create. We're going after hydrogen. And with Cummins released that, it's not in the U.S. It's, um, I feel like we talked about this on the last podcast, and I hope we didn't because then I'm saying it again. But I want to say it was a 19-liter engine that they released to the European market and the Australian market. And it's a multi-fuel, um, but I believe they leaned on it running off of hydrogen. So, yeah, it's not going away. It can't go away at this point. We may see it go away, you know, or my son might see it go away. I don't know that I'll live long enough for it, but, yeah, it, it can't be all electric. The electric's going to be local. Um, you know, the long runs, the big heavy runs, they just it's not set up for it yet. Um, and they know that. I got to ask you a question as an enthusiast. How would you feel as a diesel enthusiast if you don't use diesel fuel in your truck, you use an alternate source of energy. Would you be opposed to that, open to it? Would it affect any sort of perception that you have of of the platforms? I think there's going to become a, like I will always, I think there will come a time where we won't have a choice. Um, and, and I don't think that that will be, there's a movie out there where they, um, it was in Europe, and I think someone was driving an internal combustion engine powered vehicle, and they had to pay tax and all this other. Basically, everyone was on electric, but this one guy had an internal combustion engine left, and it was just super expensive for him to have, but he still wanted to keep it. Like I still, I feel like we might be that way where we're going to have our hydrogen vehicles and our electric vehicles, whatever they may be, as our main daily drivers, and then we'll still have 
my old 7.3 in the garage, you know, that just gets used every now and then because diesel is $38 a gallon. I, I don't know. I, I could see it going that way. Yeah. Would I be happy about it? No, but I'd still have my truck there and I'd still be paying $38 a gallon or whatever it may be to, to have it. But does that mean I'm going to drive it from, you know, Idaho to call out challenge when I have to do that? No, it's, it's, it's just going to, and I don't like having this conversation because it's so real, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. You know, at some point in time, we're going to see this. Um, I feel like we're going to probably fall. I think this electric push is probably going to fall back a little bit. Um, and in the next several months after the election goes through, we'll, we'll really see if it's going to continue to get pushed or fall back a little. Um, but I don't think it's going to go as hard as it's going right now for the next 10 years. Like I think something there's some hiccup is going to happen, and it's going to stop that from happening. But, but, but like you said, eventually, or like I said, eventually, yeah, you're right. We're probably going to have to give up the our internal combustion engines as we know them today, to a certain extent. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be. I don't want to use the term hybrid because when I think of hybrid, I think of a smaller passenger car sort of thing. But like you take the um, like the new Tundra, you take the the new newer F-150, the power boost, and you take these trucks that have you know part battery power, you know, Ram has it in a form as well on their their half tons. Um, But you have this these crazy torque numbers out of these things, which they make more torque granted, not the same RPM, but than older diesels used to, but then you have this battery on it as well. And I think Ford's like an eight year warranty on it or, or something like that. And when I've looked at those, the first thing I think is, you know, a diesel guy is going to say, I don't want to replace a battery every eight years. Like why would, why would I want to do that? Um, but the younger generations, the people that are getting into this, it's becoming more common. I think they're more open to it than, say, somebody my age, your age, older than us. They don't want it. But I think that's factoring into what we were talking about at the beginning, which was the UAW strike and some of the aspects to it and the things that they were asking for. They see it coming as well, and they're building these things. So the aftermarket definitely needs to think about it as well. And I'm not sure how it's all going to shake out. And I know that there's really passionate people on both sides of it, but that was one of the main things that jumped out at me when I read the things they were talking about was they're they're talking about EVs and how they're manufactured and it's becoming more mainstream. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're in your twenties and you're in the industry, you very much so need to think about about it. If you're in your fifties, okay, you know what? You might be able to get out before it happens, but <laughs> you might be able to retire before it happens. But well, it's the same thing as like YouTube popping up. You know, we all didn't think it was going to be the biggest or internet. It's probably the better phrase. I didn't think it was going to be the biggest thing in the world. And now it's taken over. Um, so yeah, it's, it's another just real conversation. It's going to happen. And you know what though? That all being said, <sighs> And I, and I struggle saying this, but I guess I, I don't run Diesel World anymore, so I can, I can, I can say this. Maybe I want a Tesla. I really do. Um, I think they'd be so. I don't. I want to black the windows out so that no one can see me, and I'm, I'm going to park <laughs> in the back of the lot. You know, but they're a ton of fun to drive. They really are. Um, and 
that that doesn't, doesn't mean I'm going to get rid of my internal combustion, but I, I, electric vehicles are a lot of fun to drive. Some of them are. Um, I, I did mention that on a podcast once, once and I caught some grief for it. But I said, if you just look at it strictly from a performance standpoint, they're insane. Like they, yeah. the acceleration, the zero to 60 times, quarter mile times, the torque numbers, they're crazy. It's just, we're used to the sound. And that's one of the biggest things on newer diesels. Like, you know, way back in the day, the seven threes, six liters, five nines. One of the first things people did was an exhaust system because especially the Cummins guys, like they, you could hear them three blocks away. They wanted to hear the sound. And so you take this car or even SUVs, trucks now that are EVs and you have the performance of zero to 60 time, the quarter mile times, and you don't have the sound that we're all accustomed to hearing with high performance. <laughs> which was something I didn't like in the beginning. Um, and I say that I haven't driven too many electric vehicles, but I kind of like it now. But what also is fun about that is, is we're torque addicts. We like the torque of that engine. I don't need to hear 8,000 RPMs to, to pull me along. I, I can sit there at two grand and that, that truck's just moving, you know? Those electrics, that's all they are. Yeah, It's torque from RPM one all the way up. Like it's, isn't it the peak? peak torque at the first rpm or something like that yeah it's, um, it, it's crazy the performance they get i think it's going to be really interesting to follow this and i'm sure we'll both be paying attention to it and i would love for there to be no major disruptions and you know things go on as normal but if they don't i think we should sit back down again and talk about it and see what happened what it means um there's going to be information and insights you have that I don't. Um, if you start to see it affect the aftermarket with supply and and other things like that, so it's I know it's a huge topic and people. It's worth paying attention to, especially you know if you've got a truck on order, you're going to put one on order, you're thinking about buying one, um, or you're in the aftermarket working a diesel shop or manufacturer, or you're going to want to order parts. How's that going to be affected? And hopefully, it doesn't get as bad as it did three years ago when. Sometimes it took six to eight months to get apart, but you know, well, you know, that's, you know, that's going to happen real quick is a buying surge. You know, any of these fleets or anyone looking to get something they're out there buying right now. Um, and if they're not, they probably should be. Um, because yeah, unless this doesn't happen, if it smooths over and everything goes on as normal, great. But if it, if it's, there's a strike for, you know, more than a week or two, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna affect it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm curious. I, I did ask a couple buddies that are, um, very high up sea level people at, uh, at some of the big three, um, just for some opinions on this. And they all said, Nope, we don't have an opinion. I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to just share with me. Like my buddy, like, no, we know what you're going to do. So we're not saying anything. <laughs> so ho hopefully after we get a few, you know, after the 14th or 15th, um, of this month, after they've either made their deal or striked. Hopefully I can get some insight from them. That's a little more than the, the press release that they put out there. You know? That'd be really cool. Well, yeah. I, I, well, I appreciate you tackling the, the, the subject with me because it's something I'm not an expert in it. You're not an expert in it, but neither are our listeners, neither are the people that are listening and, and they're just curious and you see it flash across on, you know, a news website and you get that same kind of regurgitated information and you're just like, well, I don't have the substance there. What, 
you know, what are some different aspects to it? So it's fun to chat about this kind of stuff. And, you know, I think after the last three years and all the challenges that have been there, we're all kind of weary and tired. We're just like, can things just be normal? Like for a little bit, can it just be chill? Can we just relax a little and, and, uh, you know, being gearheads ourselves, this is something that's potentially huge. Yeah. Well, like you said, you know, and I'm paying attention to it now. And just, just like you said, it is all over the place. The info that's out there is all over the place. And that was sort of something I was thinking of is not being an expert. Okay. What can I do? Let's just find all the facts or at least all the opinions and the numbers that are put out there and just sort of try and show that. I think having this list of all these, these little things, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next three weeks, two weeks, but uh, you'll be watching your end. I'll be watching my end and maybe we'll come up with some interesting pieces, views from all that, but Definitely. Well, well, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch, maybe do another one with some better news or something. We'll just, just have to see, but I appreciate you chatting with me today and, and talking about this topic that could potentially, you know, affect all of us in a lot of different ways. So it was great to chat with you again, Adam. Always a pleasure. Anytime, buddy. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site wide. We really appreciate them offering that just to you guys. And it's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. So if you're in the market for a EDC knife or hunting, fishing, something around the job site, around the house, they've definitely got you covered. They've had a ton of new releases in 2023. And one of the newest models are the Duralox, which the blade's made out of D2 steel. The way that the blade opens is really positive, keeps your fingers away from the blade when you open and close it. And there's different choices for blade shape and also handle designs as well. So definitely make sure, head on over, uh, use code 23diesel20 and get 20% off your order. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen at 23diesel, J. Cole John, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube and podcast apps. We appreciate all your support here in year seven of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the content that you guys want to hear. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.